You're listening to Frisbee's Bulls and Bears with Dominic Frisbee. Hello and welcome to Frisbee's Bulls and Bears with me, Dominic Frisbee. A reminder that you can subscribe to the show by clicking on the subscribe via email button on the left-hand side of your screen and then every time I upload a new show, you'll get an email in your inbox. It's the best way of staying up in touch with the show and getting new programmes as they come out because I don't upload them uh, on a regular basis. You can also subscribe to the show via iTunes. So, ladies and gentlemen, in today's programme, this is an interview I recorded for a a new um, radio station in the UK called Share Radio. It's an interview that I did with uh, Simon Rose, and uh, I'm actually the interviewee in this programme. But the the programme has now aired, and Simon has very kindly said that uh, I can put it out on my own podcast. So that's what I'm doing. And once again, I plug the original source of the interview, Simon Rose and Share Radio. This is Simon Rose. You're listening to Share Radio. And I've been joined uh, by uh, Dominic Frisby, who has written a book about a subject I expect a lot of you are interested in, but may not know anything about, Bitcoin. It is titled Bitcoin of the Future of Money, with a question mark. Welcome, um, Dominic. Thank you very much, Simon. A pleasure to be here. Thank you. Now, of course, the problem, before we even start the conversation, is we are going to have to explain all about Bitcoin and the history of Bitcoin, I think in itself is quite fascinating because it's pretty recent. The, the history of Bitcoin is very interesting and how the money works as well is also very interesting. And I'm, I'm happy to I'm happy to start with either. I suppose, let me give you a bit of a hmm. background to it. It, it, it. In 2008, when the world was busy panicking about the, the financial crisis, a computer programmer who went by the name of Satoshi Nakamoto, posted a message on an out-of-the-way mailing list. And he said, I've been working on a new electronic cash system. It might make sense to get some, just in case it catches on. (laughs) And nobody seemed to care. Nobody paid any notice. But um, what he had programmed was obviously Bitcoin, the world's most famous alternative currency. And it's kind of... um, inspired a cult of devotees. I don't know what the collective noun for a, for a group of devotees is, but we'll call it a cult of devotees, ranging from, you know, economists and newsnight and anarchists and speculators and computer coders, libertarians, criminals and, uh, and uh, entrepreneurs. But let me just give you a number to tell you about the incredible gains that were made by people, early investors. In 2009... A Bitcoin aficionado who went by the name of Liberty Standard or New Liberty Standard in the state somewhere, uh, he calculated how much a Bitcoin was worth mm. by dividing the number of Bitcoins his computer generated over a given period by the amount of electricity his computer consumed. Right. And he arrived at the figure of 1,309 Bitcoins to $1. Right. Uh, and in fact, over the next two months, and that was the, like the first so ever... pretty cheap, really. Yeah, very cheap. But that was the first ever published exchange rate. And in fact, the value fell over the next two months. So that in, in November 2013, the value was um, uh, 1,630 bitcoins to $1. Right. Fast forward four years, and one bitcoin 
was $1,240. It was the same price as an ounce of gold. So people, if you managed to buy the low and sell the high, and of course nobody in the world did of that, course. but in, if you did, you made two million times your money. One dollar mm. became two million dollars. And so there was a kind of whole, uh, I won't say a generation, but a whole group of computer coders mm. who, who won the lottery, basically. Yes. Yes. And became incredibly rich. Now, of course, that sounds like a classic bubble when somebody becomes that rich so, so that quickly. But the beauty of Bitcoin is that it actually works. And there's all sorts of bubbles in it that we've had in the past, and, and they've been over nothing. But Bitcoin, as a form of pay, as, as internet money, it actually works. So c can we explain a little bit more? Yeah, what I'll, I'll is, explain. And so people like economists and, and writers and libertarians getting all excited about it because it's a new form of money beyond government and all the rest mm. of it. That means absolutely nothing. The, what is important about the kind of Bitcoin aficionados, the two groups are the criminals mm. and the uh, computer coders. Right. And from the point of view of the computer coders, what Bitcoin was, was it was a watershed moment. It was a breakthrough tech. And it suddenly opened up hundreds of possibilities for people. And I'll come to what those are in a second. But from the criminals' point of view, criminals uh, are often the first um, group to make a new tech work profitably or practically. So, for example, you know, it was black market industries that were the first um, things to make the internet work, that to, right. to turn the internet right. to a profit. Um, uh, and certain pornography in particular was one, and not all pornography is legal, some of it's illegal and some of it's legal, of course, but that it is essentially a black market. Mm. And that was the first kind of uh, industry to make money on the internet. But in fact, drugs were dealt on the internet many years before. Now, these are not things I'm endorsing, mm. of mm. course, <clears throat> in any way whatsoever, excuse me. But criminals on what is called the dark net are now using Bitcoin as a means of payment right. for illegal goods, for laundering money, all sorts of illicit things. And like I say, that's not something I'm endorsing. But the fact that they are making it work for them yes, yes. shows that the, the technology has legs, indeed, if that makes indeed. sense. Now, let's come to the computer coders. Now... If I'm, sit I'm sitting in a room with you now, if I, I can hand you a 50p piece or a pound coin, whatever it is, directly, and that is a cash transaction, there is no middleman mm. in that transaction. Uh, if, if I, let me backtrack a moment. If in, in online, in various accounts, I have got all sorts of different forms of digital money. I've got some US dollars, I've got some pounds, I've got some euros, I've got some supermarket rewards points, yes. I've got some air miles. These are all digital tokens. They don't exist in physical form. Uh, did you know that only 97, that something like 97% of pounds that don't exist, only 3% of yes. pounds is actually coined? So these are all forms of money that only exist digitally uh, and they all are tokens that have some kind of value that can be exchanged at some later stage for a good or a service. And so they're all forms of money. But if I want to spend any of them, the pounds, the dollars, the, the, um, the rewards points, the air miles, I have to go through some kind of middleman. There yeah. isn't that direct cash transaction. And people had been trying to find ways of replicating that uh, digitally that mm. 
direct cash transaction for 20, 30 years, and nobody could do it, nobody had found a way, without involving some kind of middleman. Mm. And the breakthrough tech of Bitcoin was that it was finally able to do that. So I could hand you something without any kind of middleman. And I can go into great detail of how that works technically, if you like. Shall I perhaps do that? Perhaps not, perhaps not. Today. Perhaps not. Okay, but let's just establish that that is the beauty yes. of how it works. So what's happening now is, and Bitcoin is, you know, it's a tiny, uh, um, you know, less than, I don't even know, less than half a percent, less than a quarter of a percent of world trade. It's meaningless yes. in the kind of world trade, but it is still effective as a means of payment. Now, but what the breakthrough, what is happening now is computer coders are looking at this and they're going, right, we have a new system of payment that um, uh, that effectively excludes banks and governments from the creation of money and from the processing of money. Yes. So effectively what Bitcoin has done is it's cut out the middleman that is the government and the bank. It has disintermediated the government and bank. The, yes. the, the, the buzzword is disintermediation. Yes. So computer coders are going, right, we've disintermediated, intermedi we've disintermediated governments and banks from the creation of money. What else can we disintermediate? Right. And so they and if you think about the Internet, it is one huge, great middleman. Mm. You know, you watch a video and YouTube is your middleman. You do some social networking and Facebook is your middleman. You send an email and Gmail or Yahoo, yes, whoever it is, is your middleman. But suddenly with this breakthrough tech, it, it, it's going to almost potentially change the way the internet works in that you no longer need a middleman. Yes. So there's a thing called BitMessage, which has just come out, which is a way of sending emails from one person directly to another without using Gmail or Yahoo or whoever it is. Okay. So that has all sorts of implications for privacy. You know, people can play, why should Gmail be reading my emails? Yes, yes. Well, so, so, or you have a thing called Twister, which is like Twitter, but without a central body organising the tweets. So it's a much more, it's a much safer way to say organise an Arab Spring or indulge in a bit too much free speech. There are also, you can have, um, you can put stock markets mm. on, a, on a, this, this tech at the centre of Bitcoin, by the way, is called a blockchain. Right. And it is the blockchain that enables this elimination of the middleman. So, so essentially the way that works is that Whenever a transaction is made in Bitcoin, everybody who earns Bitcoins is essentially told about the latest transaction. Have I got that right? Yes, roughly? you have. You have. It is a huge database in the in the ether, huge database in the sky that everyone can read, and it is thanks to the thanks to this database that you are able to that the, the disintermediation happens. Um, let's not open that can of worms because okay. otherwise we'll have to get into how. Bitcoins are created, how the blockchain works. Let's just, just say accept the fact okay. that it's there and computer coders who are much cleverer than you or I uh, accept the fact that it works. And so, but yes, so this this thing of disintermediation, uh, if you think, if you think back and you think what, what email did to the post office mm. or email yes, did to yes. letters, or you think what the internet did to publishing or to music or to newspapers. You know, it, it eroded, you know, suddenly where publishing was once the preserve of a few large companies or a few newspapers. Now everyone, anyone in the world can set up their own blog and have their own newspaper. And I think news is all the better for it. Indeed. And so it, it eroded those vast monopolies that existed. But in a funny kind of way, it's just replaced them with a load of different monopolies. So mm. we have YouTube has one monopoly, Google has yes. another one. And you know, I think for the most part, 
those companies run their little monopolies very well. Uh, and I use YouTube, I use Google all the time. Um, so this is no criticism of those companies. But the this new breakthrough tech is coming that will mean that will have implications for the monopolies that those internet giants currently have. And it is all on this principle of peer-to-peer. -peer. Right. Without the middleman. So many people may know about peer-to-peer -peer lending, which is essentially bringing savers and borrowers together without yeah. a bank being there. In other words, doing what we thought the banks once did, yeah. but they've sort of moved away from it. But exactly. it's that sort of principle applied to, 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 well, to, to a much to bigger world. anything you can think of. I mean, initially to finance and banking, you can do it to stock markets. Shares can be traded directly over a blockchain. You don't need a stock market. Shares can be issued via the, via a blockchain, which means that a, a company doesn't necessarily have to list on a formal exchange. There are uses to listing on a formal exchange. Many people will still make the decision to do that, but you don't have to do it if you don't want. Um, and it means that people are going to be able to fund themselves without going through traditional heavy regulatory processes. Um, you could have the land registry on a blockchain. You can have all car ownership registered on a blockchain. Financial assets can be traded on a blockchain. YouTube, social networking can all be done, you know, without these invasions of privacy. You're reaching for the thing because we're about to run out of time. No, 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 no uh, we're actually fine. Oh, no, okay. no, fine. I but, was just going to play a sting, so let me oh, do it now oh, as okay. you've mentioned it. Sharing ideas about money on London Digital and online. This is Share Radio. You're listening to Share Radio indeed, and I'm talking to Dominic Frisby about his book, Bitcoin, The Future of Money. No, not run out of time. I'm absolutely fascinated. Okay. We, we, of course, the trouble is we could keep, keep talking for hours about this, but, but essentially... Let me, let me just say yeah. the, the, the one kind of huge implication of, 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 of the blockchain, and this is many years away, uh, but it is still possible, and I, I think it's incredibly interesting, is so with this technology of cutting out the middleman it also has implications for the health service and education if you think of the megalith of middlemen involved in the in the NHS yes. and suddenly if you do it if you you run start using blockchain tech in the health service suddenly you're going to have patients uh, it's just so much more efficient you're going to have patients and and medicine or patients and doctors mm. put together a lot more quickly um, than, than through current systems. Uh, same goes for education. And it even, through blockchain tech, it's, it, what it is effectively is a, is a new way of proving ownership. So, for example, the, the process of putting in your username and password, mm. that's going to die out in the coming years because blockchain tech is going to replace that. <laughs> and Many it, people will be welcome, welcome that, well, I'm sure. Well, I'm sure they will. But it also has huge implications for representative democracy because the tech is now there. If you think how democracy works, we elect uh, our local MP and then he goes and stands in Parliament for what he thinks. Now, that local MP could win by 10,000 votes to, to 9,999. And, and so that one vote swings it. And then that MP then yes. goes and stands yes. for whatever, whatever party it is. And, you know, the way representative democracy works, it's, if you think about it, it's, a, it's an outdated system. It's a system that goes back hundreds of years. It is now possible for any issue to be debated and voted on, you know, so if you think, right, we're going to debate um, the, I don't know, the fox hunting laws. Mm -hmm. And so the, the MP is saying, and then the, so the big debate happens and that those who are in favour of fox hunting say this and those who are against fox hunting say that. And then the whole country can just vote on it. 
straight away. You don't have to have a formal referendum with money. You can just the whole thing can be voted on almost instantaneously, but through this blockchain tech. So, you know, that's a much more liquid form of democracy. And that and it's also a truer form of democracy. Now, that idea scares a lot of people because they'll go, well, I don't know anything about fox hunting and I don't really, you know, I've hired my MP to, to, to do, make those decisions for me. But the reality is that most MPs don't know that much about fox hunting either. <laughs> and, or about and, anything else Well, yeah, half of them, what is it? Half of them don't even know the difference between the debt and the deficit. So, you know, all... It, you know, that idea of true democracy might be terrifying, and indeed it is terrifying. But if democracy is what you believe in, then that is the democracy that you should be... Because representative democracy, in my opinion, is not true democracy. What you're saying, you're saying that people are frightened of this. I can't help feeling that the people <coughs> who might be most frightened are governments. Because you're talking earlier about how you will essentially <coughs> be be bypassing governments, bypassing all the mechanisms of the state. Um, so, what's what's it what's it going to do, going to do for them? Of course, it has huge implications for government, and you can expect government to resist it in every way that they can. In the same way that. They resisted for a long time the idea of a Scottish referendum or indeed a referendum on Europe or whatever the issue is. And, you know, they probably will resist for a long time and some countries will move quicker than others. The more kind of, you know, Iceland or somewhere, one of those kind of enlightened places will probably have this kind of system in you know, before yes, the yes. end of next week. But, uh, Which has its own cryptocurrency already. I uh, it does, but that's kind of, <laughs> yeah. that's kind of died a bit. Um, but... And I'm not saying this is going to happen, but I'm saying it has the potential to happen. And sooner or later, it will become inevitable. The people will insist on it. And politicians will once again become what they should be, which is the administrators of the people's will. Right. And, and that would be a wonderful thing. And, and there are already people like Douglas Carswell are already saying this is what this is what should happen. But, you know, new tech. It's like the wheel or gunpowder or, you know, some kind of breakthrough tech. It makes it, it makes something inevitable sooner or later. Yes. It's quite hard to get your head around some of the implications for all this. Um, I know some people say, um, some people, they was telling me about Bitcoin. They say they think it's probably the, the Freddie Laker of the sort of cryptocurrency <laughs> world. The, the one that blazes the trail but may not in 10 years' time be the one that, 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 uh, that, that stays around. Hard to tell, I suppose. That so. may well be the case. That may well be the case. And in fact, um, you know, w w if you said to me, should I be buying loads of Bitcoins? I'd kind of go, uh, I'm not sure. It's in a long downtrend. It's been in a bear market. There was a lot of speculative capital in there. May, may have to go a lot lower. It might be that another one's going to come mm. along that's better. O but on the, the blockchain hand, tech, yes. if yep. there was ways of investing in this blockchain tech, the technology behind Bitcoin, then I'd be, yeah, do it. I, I confess I understood Bitcoin a, a great deal better when I bought a few. And you can buy next to nothing. You don't have to really spend any real money because yeah. you can buy it in tiny, tiny amounts. I, I would recommend that all listeners do this. They go to a website called blockchain.info and sign up for a wallet. That will mm. take you about 10 seconds. Yeah, it's, yeah. As easy, it's quicker than signing up for a, an email account at Hotmail. Yep. Then I would go to a website called Bitalicious and paste in your wallet address and buy... I don't know, 20 pounds worth of Bitcoins. Yeah. I would then persuade a friend to do exactly the same thing. And then, then I would then practice sending your friend small amounts of money and have him do the same to you. And once, 
um, you've done that, I would meet up with your friend at some trendy bar in Shoreditch mm, or somewhere yeah. like that, in some enlightened, groovy area where everyone has a beard. And I would go to a coffee shop that uh, accepts Bitcoins and I would go in and buy yourself a cup of coffee with your mm. Bitcoins. And that's a, a, that, then you'll kind of hook yourself on the tech. You won't risk any money. You'll feel like you're part of the revolution. Yes, and you do suddenly understand it better. So I, have yeah. actually, I have actually paid somebody a tiny amount of money for, for a service using Bitcoin and somehow you just felt you were part of a revolution. Yeah. Uh, it is quite extraordinary because you know no bank is involved. Nobody else has a record that they can actually see yeah. of that transaction at all. Quite extraordinary. Though I know a lot of people's resistance to Bitcoin is because of the criminal element of things like Silk Road, this sort yeah. of uh, I suppose underground website that dealt in things like um, drugs and other yeah. illegal substances. It still exists. Which still exists, even though the FBI, of course, the FBI the shut it down. And within two weeks, there were twenty-five different illegal websites f- following the same model as the Silk Road. They spent eighteen months trying to shut down the Silk Road, and then, as I say, within two weeks. So I, I actually th- think the war on drugs is 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 a misguided was a misguided war, and I think it's caused a lot more damage than it has good. But what what is interesting is that the new tech that is Bitcoin, I think, will is already happening. It's forcing a change in attitude. Mm. Uh, It's forcing a change in law because the law almost is it's for it almost doesn't it, it can't reach it. Yes. In the dark net. Yes. Extraordinary. Yes. You talked about going to buy um, buy coffee and yes. things. What sort of organisations are already accepting bitcoins, which presumably is the only cryptocurrency yeah. yet that has any sort of status? At the end of the day, I mean, all sorts of trendy places are, are, are accepting them. But really, it's not money for the real world. And you can go into a coffee shop and buy it and it's fun. But really, what it is, is money for the internet. Right. It is It is a money without borders. And, you know, for the real world, cash credit cards are probably better than Mm, Bitcoin mm. at this stage. They certainly are. But for the Internet, if you want to send or receive uh, money or make payments to somebody in another country, it is the best, quickest way to do it. Extraordinary. And now we must go back and to the cheapest talk- way to do it. Yes. That's the other thing. Yeah. You're not really paying much in terms of fees at all. No. Um, you don't have to pay any if you don't want to. Can I tell you can I tell you a story about what I think is the huge, huge implications please. about not necessarily Bitcoin, but mobile money, new money. Um once upon a time, as at the kind of peak of the tech, as late as two thousand and eight, the world had one point three billion landlines. Mm. Okay? And there are seven billion people in the world. Now, people love to communicate if they can, and telecoms companies love to profit from people Mm, communicating if they can. And they'll lay cables anywhere in the world if they think they can make money out of it. So with some 7 billion people on the planet, um, the vast majority of whom you assume are not hermits Mm, and like communicating, you'd expect that 1.3 billion figure to have been higher. Now, along comes the mobile phone, and that point is proved. There are now 6.3 billion mobile phone users in a global population of, of 7 billion, 6.9 billion. Mm. More people have a mobile phone than have a toilet, oh a recent goodness, right. UN okay. study showed. Now, of course, the superior technology of the cell phone is such that the broader coverage is considerably cheaper than it is with the landline. But there's something else. And... And it's something that enabled the cell phone to succeed where the landline failed. And it's what economists call financial inclusion. Quite simply, many people couldn't get access to the basic financial services needed to get a landline. Yes. Landlines, except for payphones, were credit-based. 
you needed a bank account. Mm. And many mm. of people mm. might have liked a, a, a landline but couldn't get one because they couldn't get a bank account. The financial system actually prevented them. And the telecoms companies concluded that the demand wasn't there, they didn't put in the infrastructure, and pilled people were ultimately held back by this inability yes. to communicate. But with the cell phone, you don't need a bank account. You can buy the credit you need with cash. And there aren't, so there aren't the same barriers to entry. Anyone can get one, mm. and they have. Yes, yes. Now, it's estimated that half of all adults worldwide don't have access to basic financial services. According to the World Bank, the reasons for this are, and I'll quote here, poverty, the cost, the travel distance, and the necessary paperwork to open an account. Mm. Only two billion people are banked and participate in e-commerce. Yet, about five and a half billion have at least some access to the internet. There's a potential three and a half billion people who could participate right. in e-commerce but don't because they don't have the necessary financial infrastructure. But thanks to Bitcoin and other forms of mobile money, this lack of basic financial services is no longer a barrier to entry. You don't have to have a bank account or any of that stuff. All you need is some internet access. Mm. And most of the world's population will have that long before they have proper sanitation. And suddenly the developed world will have a potential three and a half billion people to outsource jobs to, yes. to sell products to, to receive products from. That's a huge amount of new trade. And in fact, the money that this... Um, that the unbanked three and a half billion people make from e-commerce might enable them to buy the sanitation, the education and the healthcare that they've been so deprived of and escape the poverty that's, that's blighted them. So it's, it's a huge, this thing of financial inclusion, it is, it's just colossally huge. So it is quite extraordinary. So although the book is titled Bitcoin, the future of money, it did really the subtitle, the future of money is, is the most important thing, the future of many, many things using blockchain uh, technology. And I must say, although at times you may you may struggle to understand this, if you read Dominic Frisbee's book, you will not. I should have mentioned at the beginning that amongst many things, he's a Money Week columnist, but he's also a stand-up comedian. He is able to make very complicated subjects, not just understandable, but actually great fun to read. I enjoyed reading this book just as I read enjoyed reading his previous book, Life After the State, which I also recommend. And I think if you have any interest in what might be coming around the corner, perhaps the next five 10 years where the financial world is going to change possibly out of all recognition then you really must read a uh, bitcoin the the future of, of money and let's just end very briefly we've got about half a minute or so did anybody ever find satoshi nakamoto how can they even invented something so extraordinary <laughs> and kept quiet about it well i think i've nailed who he is and I, I, I became obsessed with the subject and, and just did loads of research. And I think I've done more research into it than anyone except one possible Internet nerd in, in the States who actually helped me edit the book. Um, and I think, I've, I think I know who he is and I name him in the book. And I do so with a certain amount of regret because I respect <laughs> his desire for privacy. But it became so obsessive, I, I, I couldn't not. By well, the, the book, book from Unbound uh, Publishers, eight ninety nine, the official price. You can, of course, get it from all good bookshops and indeed from uh, online um, outlets such as Amazon. Bitcoin, the But not over the blockchain. But not yet <laughs> over the blockchain. Bitcoin, the future of money. Dominic Frisbee, thank you very much indeed. Thank you, Simon. Frisbee's Bulls and Bears is presented and produced by Dominic Frisbee. To discuss the markets and have your say, why not visit our forum at globaledgeinvestors.com. That's globaledgeinvestors.com. 
To join our mailing list so you can be updated as soon as a new show is posted, please email info at dominicfrisbee.net or simply subscribe through iTunes. 